Hello and welcome to episode 183 of the official EstablishedRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan from ETR, of course, and we have a special, special live stream for you today as we react to round one of last night's NFL draft, do a little look ahead to round two for this special event. I'm joined by three of my favorites. You know them. You love them. It is Evan Silva, the Undisputed King. It is Mike Leone, the Lord of the Math Nerds. It is Pat Corain, the leader of the Dynasty Virgins. I'll start with Leone, whose pants were fully off last night. Oh, yeah. As we ran incredibly pure, thanks to Silva, thanks to Amico, thanks to Friedman, thanks to everybody who's working on the draft props. Ran incredibly pure. Leone, how are you feeling this morning? Are the pants still off? They're still off. It was a good exercise in just telling smart people uh, and, and making money that way. So all the people you guys had on the ETR podcast last couple of weeks, Friedman, Amico, uh, you know, Silva single-handedly changed the Stokes over under by seven spots and it still comes in well under. Mm -hmm. So it was really fun. And out of the gate to get Lance Pitts chase. It was like we were just free rolling. And then we get the horn first defender. It was it was a crazy top 10. Things went really well in the top 10 right away. Yeah. I was saying before the show, if we could do 17 weeks of draft props instead of 17 weeks of actual football, we would never have to work again. It would just be we would just all be a printing press 17 weeks of draft <laughs> props. Um Karain. I can't wait to talk to you about the Kadarius Tony pick as I have a feeling you didn't like that one. I also know that you like Rashad Bateman, but he lands in Baltimore. So I don't know how you're feeling today about some of your dynasty loves and hates. But anyways, what's going on? Uh, not too much. Yeah, you, you nailed the two guys that I think uh, are, are probably the most interesting to talk about. But the quarterback situation, the super flex rankings are going to be a pretty hot topic now. Mm -hmm. And I think people are going to have strong takes on the running backs now as well. So definitely some interesting stuff for Dynasty. Yeah, we're going to get into that for sure. Silva, sixth out of 133 people in the mock draft contest. Silva obviously already all over the props last night. And I loved seeing him back on Twitter, mixing it up with the takes in a big way. Silva, how are you feeling this morning? Yeah, I just had a question uh, for the room. Um, did anybody else uh, hear... Uh, wake up in a, a new Bugatti this morning. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, it's so good. Uh, okay. Before we get into the show, I want to let everyone know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends at underdogfantasy.com. I know for most of you, probably many of you, the best part of fantasy football is drafting. And of course, that is best ball our underdog specific best ball rankings are up right now we will all of us will be working on them throughout the weekend to adjust for everything there's obviously a ton to adjust because these rookies don't only have to be projected to their teams but they affect the way that they uh, they affect the veterans that were already there as well so all of our rankings will be finalized by sunday night ahead of the big monday release of underdogs one million dollar contest if you use promo code etr or and or the link in these show notes they're going to give you $25 on top of any deposit. It's just free 25 on top of any deposit. Check out the link to Underdog in the show notes. Use promo code ETR after you deposit. All right. We're going to get to San Francisco's pick. We're going to get to the Aaron Rodgers stuff. We're going to get to Pitts and the wide receivers. But I want to start with running backs because obviously they have uh, pretty much the biggest impact on fantasy. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who had inarguably a bottom five offensive line last year, did what everyone thought they'd do at number 24. They take Alabama's Najee Harris. I think all of us, all of us on here at least, would agree that that was a bad bad real-life pick for a zillion reasons. We've talked about that plenty before. But what about fantasy, Evan? Because Najee has a legit chance to be one of the NFL's, in my opinion, one of the few true workhorses in the NFL. His backups are Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland. Mike Tomlin historically prefers one true every down back. Najee, I think, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, I think is an excellent pass catcher. So Evan, I know you haven't finished the top 150 yet. I know you're working on it, but people are going to be very excited about Najee. I think just from a straight workload perspective, what are your thoughts on Najee to the Steelers? Yeah, I think that Benny Snell will be the like direct backup and then Anthony McFarlane will be like the sort of 
four to five touch per game change of pace guy. And I think Najee Harris is like not going to come off the field. Yeah. Um, I think that a, a fair comparison for him coming out of college would be to Steven Jackson, who, if you remember, I mean, Najee Harris caught 45, you know, he, he wasn't like Derrick Henry. He wasn't like Nick Chubb in college. He caught a, he caught a, quite a few passes. And I think that he can be more like Steven Jackson and, uh, be a guy who, you know, they they feature between the tackles, they feature it at the goal line, they also use a lot in the passing game. Ben has produced some high-volume uh, uh, running back catch seasons historically, and I think that they can get back to that with Najee Harris. The offensive line, I mean, I think he's going to average like three 3.7 yards per carry, but who cares in fantasy when he's not coming off the field and he has a chance to catch 50 passes? I mean, the offensive line is truly garbage. Um, and I think I'm, I'm worried about the offense as a whole, but, um, he's going to get a lot of touches. Yep. And, and, um, by the way, Thorne, if you're following Thorne on Twitter, I mean, he still loves what's left in this class at the offensive line. So I wouldn't say that the Steelers are done and they can get some really good players. I'm curious, Leone, I mean, you've talked so much and done so much work in Korean too, on kind of these empty running backs. Hey, if we're only relying on volume, we're going to be in trouble. But I think to me, at least, it's Najee Harris may be an exception because the backups are so, so, so bad, and he's going to play in the pass game. Leonie, what's your initial reaction to Najee Harris? Is he going to fall in one of those trap, volume-only kind of running back plays in fantasy we hate? I feel like he's somewhere in between where, you know, the fact that he can catch passes as Silva, you know, suspects he's not going to come off the field, mitigate some of the empty volume risk. He's going to get, he's going to get the high value touches. You know, he's going to get the goal line work and he's going to get the reception. So maybe he does have some empty touches in terms of like 20 carries for 65 yards. That's like frustrating. But if you're getting the goal line carries, the offense is semi-competent and you're catching three or four balls, it's pretty hard to be bad in fantasy. And, you know, there's obviously really minimal job security risk. You know, rookies are generally the best bets to make at the running back position. So, uh, but, but I do have the same concerns that Silva has about like there's this offense is fragile. Ben is dust. You know, the, the offensive line has issues, you know, it's a really short a dot offense, which, you know, I suspect translates to the lack of efficiency in the run game. So I, I don't know. I think, it, I think it's unlikely to really bust, um, but it depends how much steam he gets. You know, are people are going to start yeah. taking him at the one, two turn. Like the, the, then I get scared, you know, whereas he was going round four an underdog or, or late three, like that's completely fine. I think that's great. Yeah. But you start pushing him up to one, two turn, it gets scary. Oh, he, he's for sure going to go in the second round because it's going to be hard not to project yeah. him for 300 touches. And so, you know, based on any type of projection, he's going to be in there in the second round that at a minimum, I want to move to Travis Etienne, Corrine. Um, I thought it was a little bit surprising. I don't, I mean, Evan Etienne uh, ends up going to the Jaguars in somewhat of a surprise considering they had James Robinson, they have Carlos Hyde. I don't really want to kill them on this though, because it is a late first round pick and it's the kind of back who can be worth more. Like he can be a Camara, a CMC type. Corrine's obviously done the work on these prospects far more than I have. Corrine, how do you think Etienne fits with the Jags? I'm thinking about it somewhat similarly to DeAndre Swift last year where he's going to a spot where there's sort of an established guy in James Robinson slash carry on Johnson. There's also a gross guy who's going to get too many touches. Carlos Hyde could be this year's Adrian Peterson. And they literally have the same offensive coordinator. So I, I think year one is going to look a fair amount like what we saw from DeAndre Swift. We're going to probably three or four weeks too late. He's going to get that the role that we eventually want. But he's an explosive back, and he can do a lot – on on a little. So as long as he gets a lot of receptions and gets used around the goal line, I think it could end up being a really good landing spot long-term. And the Jacksonville offense just has such a low bar to improve. I mean, it's not just the quarterback play, which is horrible last year, but they were so slow paced. Jay Gruden runs one of the slowest offenses, you know, in NFL history. I mean, it's, it's disgusting. So to have just a little bit more pace there, I think, is a huge improvement. And obviously, the quarterback play is going to be a lot better. You know, I'm I'm surprised that you didn't mention the shower narrative for Trevor Lawrence and and uh, and Etienne. Oh, big big I, miss. I was there. saving I was saving that for you. I would. I, I believe me. In my <laughs> in my notes here. Yeah. Uh, listen, this was a banner night for the shower narrative. It wasn't just Etienne <laughs> and Lawrence. Joe Burrow reunited with Jamar Chase. 
Tua Tagliavoa reunited with Jalen Waddell. And a sneaky one, Jalen Hurts, people remember, was at Alabama, Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. and Devontae Smith. I mean, this this is going parabolic. And what I mean by parabolic <laughs> is that, you know, the interest was here on the shower narrative. And we had Mason Rudolph and James Washington. And we had Terry McLaurin and Dwayne Haskins. And now we have all, all these guys just going straight to the moon. So, yeah, I mean, Etienne Lawrence is exciting. Evan, what do you think about the Jaguars pick, both from a real-life perspective and for fantasy? I mean, I don't like it from a real life perspective. Uh, you know, we talked about it a lot that ETN might be the first RB drafted. We didn't get that, but we did get him in the first round. We got him all of his unders. I did have him in in, the, in my in my final mock draft, but I had him going to the Jets in the second mock draft. I had him going to the Jags. Um, I mean, you know, he, he caught a, over hundred passes in, in college, and if you're going to justify to yourself an RB to take with with a first round pick, make sure that he is excellent in the passing game. Travis Etienne is. Um, no respect, as we also have talked about a lot, for the UDFAs. You know, James Robinson, they just run right over him. I mean, I, I do think he's going to be involved. I really like the comparison that Kareem brought up um, between uh, the Lions last year with literally the same OC, Daryl Bevel, going from uh, Detroit to Jacksonville. But, you know, just they, they don't care. I mean, they, they you know, the, the UDFA from the old regime just – you know, they, they could discard him just like that, you know, and shoot, he could end up being the number three back by the, I mean, Urban Meyer and Trent Balky both have history with uh, Carlos Hyde. And now they just used a first round pick on Travis Etienne, you know, um, James Robinson was looking good after free agency, I thought, but we were like, man, there's a, still a chance he could get buried. The, the Jags have like a bunch of kind of early round picks that could easily use an RB. Boom. They use their their second first rounder on them. That that's a huge blow to the James Robinson shares. Yeah. I want to stake on running backs for a second and talk about round two. The people are hungry for props here. Odds to be the next running back taken. I don't know if you can pull that up, uh Leone. The market is up for odds to be next running back taken. The one that stuck out to me, obviously, um Javante Williams is the heavy, heavy, heavy favorite. The one that stuck out to me was Trey Sermon at 10 to 1. And so, you know, you only need to be right, a very small percentage of the time for that to pay off. I don't think it's a great bet. I don't think it's likely, but he is 10 to 1. As you can see there, Javante Williams is minus 480. Corinne, I know you really like Kenneth Gainwell. He's plus 550. Michael Carter, plus 950. I don't really see a bet here out of maybe a small long shot on Trey Sermon. I mean, it's really like the rumors leading up to the draft was that Javante Williams had a borderline first-round grade from a lot of teams. And so it seems likely that he really likely he'll be the next running back off the board. I don't want to lay the minus 480, though. I don't know. Leone, uh, Silva, Corrine, anybody have a bet in this market on the next running back to be taken? I, I don't love the market. I think if I were to take a shot, I'd probably go Gainwell just as the next most likely. You're still getting pretty yeah. long odds at 550, but it seems like it's probably going to be Javante. So I don't think there's anything great. Like If you just wanted to sweat, I'd probably go Gainwell before I went Sermon. I don't know if Pat agrees with that. I, I do not. agree with that. Yeah, I agree um, with that too. I mean, Gainwell is the, another another back that can catch passes, and you can just and he's explosive, and a team could just view him as a playmaker. Um, I really think it's going to be Javante Williams. I think it, it could be like I think the Falcons are at thirty six, and they might look at look at uh, Javante Williams, but um, I, I would go with Gainwell too. Yeah, he had an awesome pro day, and I think that yeah. could help him. There is uh, also markets out there. I don't know if FanDuel has it, but there is markets, I believe, on points bet. Or, and maybe FanDuel might have had it too. Uh, team, yeah, that one, Leone, team's neck pick position. What is Atlanta to take a running back with their next pick? Plus 250, so yeah, probably about right. Yep. Okay. We'll talk some more about props as we move through here. Let's move on to wide receivers. Um, you know, I think – from a positional need perspective, I thought the Bengals needed Penny Sewell. However, if you uh, are in line with Thorne and you think they can shore up the offensive line, maybe they think they can do that as well. And now they have Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd with Joe Burrow getting healthy. I mean, that's really, really nice. Silva, this offense, I think, has a chance to be really good, assuming Joe Burrow is fully healthy, assuming they get some more offensive line help. I mean, Joe Mixon. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. And to me, at least, from just looking at the production and size, speed, profiles, and athleticism, I mean, Jamar Chase was so far ahead of the Alabama guys, at least 
from what I could tell. I don't know if you guys agree, but anyways, what do you think of the Bengals offense now going forward? Any interest? I mean, any interest in Jamar Chase? What do you think about Higgins? Who's this to? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Kermit. Uh, yeah, so, I, I mean, my thing, my kind of initial read on this is that T. Higgins is now going to be too low. That people are going to be scared off T. Higgins because they view sort of targets as something you got to divvy up, and Jamar Chase is going to come in and take all these targets away from T. Higgins. But I'm thinking this offense has the potential to be highly explosive now, and I want pieces. And T. Higgins gives you a second-year breakout potential and he had an awesome rookie year. He was also a great prospect in his own right. So, and he's going to be he's going to be quite a bit cheaper than Chase, I think. So, mm-hmm. I'm very excited about T Higgins. I also really like the landing spot for Jamar Chase. I mean, it's like a dream landing spot if you're Jamar Chase. You get to go play with Burrow. Uh, he was a, an incredible prospect. I think he's a better prospect than every single wide receiver from last year's class. Clearly the best wide receiver in this class. So, you know, he didn't play last year, but he outproduced Justin Jefferson in 2019. We see Justin Jefferson pop off. So I'm even more excited about Chase than I was, even though I haven't seen him play since 2019. So I think it's a, a great landing spot for him. And I, I think this offense could be awesome. Yeah, I, I prefer my late round quarterbacks to have some rushing upside. But as the field kind of catches up to how valuable it is, it's harder and harder to get late round quarterbacks who run the football. Leone, what do you think about Burrow as one of our late round quarterback targets? Yeah, I like him a lot. I think if you're going to go with guys who aren't going to run a ton, give me guys that are going to throw a lot and have so many potential weapons. I know Anthony Amico has been joking that this is going to be Cowboys North, and I could see that. The pass rate was really high for the Bengals last year. I have to go back and check to see what it was relative to expectation because you know a lot of the time they were in situations where you would expect them to throw the ball, but they had a pretty fast pace and a lot of pass attempts. And that's what we've seen in Dallas. Dallas wasn't even crazy high in terms of pass rate over expectation while Dak was healthy last year. They just ran so many plays and threw like a little bit more than expected. And we could see the same thing with Cincinnati. I like the MVP odds, you know, if we're trying to look at some fun bets, but Burrow at 50 to one with those weapons around him. And as you've noted already, Levitan, Thorne has this OL class pretty deep. Like, so they can still get help on the offensive line, you know, just because they didn't take Sewell uh, over Chase doesn't mean that's not going to happen. And yeah, they're they're picking at 38 and 69. So, I mean, I'd love to see him just take two offensive Mm -hmm. linemen back to back. Um, And and it's it's important to note, and I know that Leone mentioned it, but it's a highlight that Zach Taylor has shown a willingness to play fast and be aggressive in terms of pass volume. And all of a sudden, now we got Jamar Chase, who, I mean, being 19 years old and winning the motherfucking Bolitnikoff Award <laughs> and um, you know, over your, your teammate, Justin Jefferson, who then goes on to the NFL and it has like one of the best rookie receiver seasons of all time, you know, Jamar Chase uh, and Amico pointed it out in the, in the chat also uh, in Bob McGinn's like survey of uh, scouts and evaluators uh, the the first unanimous wide receiver one voted by every voted as the best receiver in the class by every single scout and evaluator since Megatron, which uh, and I, I believe he came out in two thousand seven. So that's over a decade ago. Yeah. I mean, that's a decade and a half now, almost at this point, and um, injecting him into the offense too. I, but I, I really hope that they double down here on offensive linemen at thirty eight and sixty nine. Yeah, yeah you minus three twenty. That's a lot of wood. That's a lot of wood to lay. Minus three twenty. Bengals take an offensive lineman next. I wouldn't bet that, but the market is obviously on that in a big way. Uh, I want to move to the Dolphins, um, Evan. And I, you know, we have a lot of respect for what the Dolphins have done with their rebuild. I don't love that they traded up from twelve to six and end up with a five foot nine, hundred eighty pound wide receiver and try to say he's definitely going to be the next Tyreek Hill. Because to take Jalen Waddle number six overall, I mean, he better be like massive, massive outlier. Maybe he will be but they could have stuck at 12 and, and maybe gotten um, uh, a wide receiver there or more players there. What do you think of what Miami did? Remember 12 up to six, and then they take Jalen Waddle, Evan, what do you think about Miami's pick? I mean, they, you know, they need to build around Tua. So going all in on Tua, I mean, Penny Sewell would have been an amazing pick too, I think. Um, but, you know, I, I think in injecting that speed into the offense, 
their their three receiver set now is what Devontae Parker, um, uh, Jalen Waddle, Will uh, Fuller. Will Fuller. I mean, that is an incredible amount of speed. Jacecki runs like four or five flat at, at tight end. Preston uh, Williams, their, yeah. Their number four receiver is Preston Williams. Their number five is Albert Wilson. Um, they're another team. I and then and then I love how they came back in at number 18 and took Jalen Phillips there. We remember we talked on the May show about how the Dolphins wouldn't necessarily value or prioritize a big time edge rusher because he Brian Flores comes from the Bel, the Belichick background. They don't they haven't really done that. But man, Jalen Phillips is in a big time talent. The, the, I think easily the best edge rush talent in this draft, and I think they stole him at number 18. And they've got more picks coming up. I mean, they're they're back on the board at 36. Before I said that the Falcons were 36, they're 35. The, the Dolphins are at 36. They did not, you know, they did not uh, waste one of those picks on a running back as they were heavily uh, rumored to do. And I, I think that they should hit offensive line here at, at 36. We should see a bunch of offensive linemen go here early in the um, early in the in the second round. Yeah, yeah. Dolphins are. So, I was gonna say they picked thirty six and fifty, so yeah, I nice. actually kind of like their uh, not to be against my Bills, but at plus three twenty five ish to win the division. I yeah, think the Dolphins, yeah. if That's if Tua nice. takes a step forward, they could be really good. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I, I, I took them to win the Super Bowl at like twenty eight to one, and then like people on Twitter were telling me I'm a fucking idiot. You know, <laughs> Twitter Twitter's awesome, but uh, Dude, Twitter's like, awesome. off Twitter, easy, easy. <laughs> easy. Levitan loves Twitter. Um, yeah, Dolphins to take an offensive lineman next is even money, uh, plus a hundred, uh, to take an offensive lineman with their next pick. And yeah, certainly no excuses for Tua. Um, okay. Eagles make a trade up. I think they thought the Giants were going to take Devonte Smith and instead, uh, they decide to move up. Remember, uh, Karain, the Eagles last year spent the number 21 overall pick on your boy, Jalen Rager, the year before, they spent the number 57 overall pick on J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, now number 10 overall on Devonta Smith. You know, I, I I like it. I know some people said that the Eagles' weapons are okay. Like, I don't think it's okay. Like, you can't evaluate Jalen Hurts with Travis Fulham and Greg Ward and Jalen Rager and Dallas Goddard. Like, that's not good enough. So, I don't really have a take on Devonta Smith versus Jalen Waddle, but I'm curious, Crane, who'd you like better out of the Alabama guys? And what do you think about Devonta Smith's fit with the Eagles? I liked Waddle better coming out as a true junior. We know that generally makes a big difference. And he was so efficient in college. He tied uh, Devonta Smith in yards per route run in 2020 during Smith's Heisman campaign. So very quietly also having an incredible season before he was hurt. Uh, before I he got hurt, he he had over 100 receiving yards in each of Alabama's first four games. I mean, this dude's legit, Levitan. I, yeah. I know you're, you're oh. hating on his size. And and by the way, 180 at 5'9", is not – I mean, the BMI there isn't that I just he, I mean, – we're not talking about De- and he's Devontae got speed. Smith, 166. And yeah. He's got, and he's got speed. My, my, yeah. prop, my and, problem and – he, And he was sick in the return game too. Yeah. I mean, this, this guy is big time. My yeah. problem is that every time we come across somebody at this size, they're the next Tyreek Hill. And I've heard about five, ten. It, I, I can't take it. And ESPN did it last night. As soon as the pick happens, they start showing highlights of Tyreek Hill. Like, that is such an incredible – Tyreek Hill is such an incredible – player and outlier playing with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. I don't know. I, I just hesitate to be like, this guy's the next Tyree kill, but obviously I respect what you guys think about uh, the player and everything like that. So yeah, I, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I think he could be, you know, the next Will Fuller though. And he's going to be, you know, learning from Will Fuller and potentially taking over that Will Fuller role when he's off his one-year contract next year. So yeah, I, I like, I like the Waddle pick. I think Smith, I have a harder time with, I, I think this coaching could be atrocious. Um, they not only did they bring in Sirianni, who looks like a fool, but they kept the wide receivers coach from last year, this guy Aaron Moorhead, who was rotating four guys in two outside wide wide receiver positions because he needed to keep their legs fresh for the fourth quarter. That was his stated reasoning for why you know Jalen Rager's running like 50% of the routes. I mean, you can't produce in fantasy if you're not running a full slate of routes. I'm worried that you know this guy could do the exact same thing he did last year. And we're not seeing Rager or Devonta Smith get out there the full time, unless they're going to run Smith out of the slot. Because the one thing they did is they just put Greg Ward in the slot and and didn't change that at all. He had a full time role there. So maybe Smith just runs full time out of the slot, in which case he could be 
a nice uh, a nice fantasy asset. You know, Sirianni and the Colts, they rotated their receivers quite a bit too. Oh, yeah. I mean, none of those guys were – I mean, I think like Pascal was the guy seeing the most snaps. Yeah. And they were they were rot- rotating guys through all season. Yeah, we didn't have anybody oh, – we were uh, – Leone was doing the target shares, and we didn't have anybody, Leone, over like 18% on the Colts. And I mean, that's like really rare for nobody to be above that mark, uh, target share. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not great. It was wild. But I do like it for Jalen Hurts. Like, I, you know, I, I think Jalen Hurts needs playmakers, and I think that, it, you know, obviously Jalen Hurts is not going to sneak past anybody in fantasy. I could see him gaining a ton of steam. Um, yes, we're going to get to Diami, Amico. Okay, you want to do the props now? I wanted to ask. Uh, I just brought it up before I forgot, but yeah, let's do. The, let's do the, I want to ask uh, Corrine about Tony and and Bateman, but let's do the props first. Next wide receiver draft and market is up. Obviously, Diami Brown is a favorite, thirteen to one. It seems like an absolutely outrageous price. Elijah Moore is a guy though that I know a lot of people love. He's a favorite. Terrace Marshall, I know people like him. Also has slipped a bit. Any bets here? I think Diami Brown as a flyer. Makes sense. I think Terrace, I can get Terrace on points bet at five to one. He's plus 380 here. Any bets here for any of you guys? I mean, I'll just do whatever Amico tells me. So probably <laughs> a little bit of Zion Brown, but uh, uh, I'm really interested to see where Terrace Marshall goes um, and how early he goes. And if the stuff with the medicals was just like, I, I think Pat had a good take that that was probably just pre draft nonsense, basically, you know, with stuff we already knew about. I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I'm re- I'm revising that take now that he's in the first okay. round. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I think I'd go Diami or maybe Rondell Moore. Okay, take one of the long shots wait, here. Oh, wait, did Elijah Moore? Elijah Moore didn't go, did he? Correct. No. Ron Elijah Moore is minus two ten to be the next wide oh, drafted, okay. but okay. Rondell Moore is ten to one. Diami. Oh, yo, Rondell. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then what's Diami? Thirteen, 13 to, one. to one. I mean, I'll just bet both of those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Also, Josh Palmer's still on the board. Remember, Renner came on the pod and said Josh Palmer is one of his favorites. I don't think he's really a threat to go next, but certainly uh, a guy worth watching landing spot. Okay, Dave Gettleman makes the move to actually trade back for the first time in his entire career. He trades back, but Twitter analysts were still killing him because Kadarius Tony, as Kareem can can allude to, uh, was a what four-year a terrible player who- pick. Was it was like wow, you know, this is really nice. <laughs> Gettleman made a smart move, and he trades back, and he takes. A backup slot receiver uh, <laughs> at number twenty overall. Like, and didn't Darisaw slip, or wasn't there someone there that slipped? And, and, yeah, and, and then and then one of the Giants beat writers were like, "Well, the uh, the Giants they have to rely on Jason Garrett's creativity to get Kyrius <laughs> Tony involved." I was like, "This is not going to go well." He's doomed, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. I, <laughs> You didn't like him already, like I didn't like. Him. Yeah, the, the analytics, analytics Twitter hates Tony for a lot of reasons that Kareem can expand on. I think mostly because four-year player with limited production through three years. But go ahead, Kareem, on why Tony, uh, why analytics Twitter hates Kadarius Tony. Yeah, because he didn't do anything as an underclassman. His senior season was good. It wasn't great. He wasn't very efficient in his senior season. So, like my my thing with Tony is. I'm interested if he becomes a running back. If he eventually gets converted to a running back, that could be that could be cool. But he's a little bit light even for that. He's under 200 pounds, so it's not like we're going to get you know an Antonio Gibson type of running back out of him. I think he's basically Braxton Miller. You know, he's a he's a gadget player, and now Jason Garrett is going to be the one creatively using him. I mean, it's a it's an absolute disaster. Uh, I can't believe they did it. I, he's like a mid second round dynasty pick to me. I don't think I'll own any any of them. Yeah. I mean, on paper, at least, you would think the Giants have really good weaponry. I mean, Evan and I were texting with Jordan Ronan a little bit, and Jordan was saying, yeah, well, Ingram is probably going to be gone next year, and they can get out of Shepard's contract next year, but they still have uh, Galladay, obviously. And so, you know, I, I, it's just mind-boggling to me that this was the pick. Let's move to the last wide receiver pick of the first round, Rashad Bateman. And this is a guy I think a lot of us – like, but the landing spot is tough. And that I don't want to say that Lamar Jackson can't get better as a thrower, but their throw rate is so, so, so low. Silva, what do you think about the Ravens pick of Bateman and how would that affect maybe a ranking of Lamar Jackson or anything like that? I mean, it's not going to affect the ranking of Lamar Jackson, <clears throat> but I, I mean, I, I think it's a classic, you know, solid real life pick that is not really going to move the needle in, in fantasy. Yeah. Any takes on Bateman to Baltimore, Leone? 
it's you know obviously challenging if you're a receiver going to a team that throws the ball so little and also has already two guys kind of dominating the target share i guess if i was being a little hot takeish i could see like they could be really low in pass attempts relative to the rest of the league and still come up quite a bit from what they did the past couple seasons and also maybe if like Marquise Brown just isn't as good as we thought he was and Bateman ends up kind of like splitting the target share there with Andrews and Marquise slides into more of like a big play role um, and doesn't end up as heavily targeted. I think it could end up a little bit better than people hope, but it's this weird and I'll throw it to Pat on this, but it's this weird, you're kind of looking at redraft and dynasty through two different lenses, which we don't always do, but dynasty i'm like kind of excited like he's got the draft capital and, and we like the talent and redraft them i just don't see you know necessarily the upside unless he but he might he might just go super late in drafts because of that yeah we oh before you go kareem will you bring up kareem's uh dynasty rank uh, rookie yeah. rankings leone because these were done before the landing spots and i want to get kareem to comment on how he thinks some of the wide receiver landing spots will change how he ranks these guys when the rookie rankings get updated but go ahead kareem yeah, so I hope that you guys don't think Leone's take was a hot take because that that is my take. <laughs> that I think that you know this offense could pass more than last year. I think they could end up passing more even than 2019 a- after adding an actually talented wide receiver. I mean, they, you know, these are targets that were going to Miles Boykin and Willie Sneed. Like there was not a ton of talent here after Marquise Brown. It's reminiscent to me of. AJ Brown going to the Titans, you know, and obviously he kind of lucked out with Ryan Tannehill becoming a, a good quarterback there instead of Mariota. But that was an offense we were not excited to get a piece of. There was a clear wide receiver one ahead of him in Corey Davis. But I think that Rashad Bateman is a better prospect than Marquise Brown. I think what we've seen from Marquise Brown is that he's better suited for a number two role. And so if Mark, if Rashad Bateman is good, I think he's going to produce really well uh, in dynasty, he's probably not going to pay off big and redraft. Maybe he kind of has some big weeks down the stretch, but for dynasty purposes, you want to look at the draft capital. First round draft capital matters a lot. And I don't think you want to get too in the weeds on the landing spot because stuff changes. So I'm, I'm in on Rashad Bateman. I'm really excited about Rashad Bateman. Everyone's telling me I'm crazy, but I'm more excited about Bateman right now than Waddle. They're both first-round wide receivers, mm. and Bateman's the better prospect in my book. Um, I think the situation for Waddle's better, but I don't want to overweight that compared to the predictive mm. stuff that we have. You know, all the stats that I'm looking at for Bateman are, are off the charts in terms of his college production, and now he's a first-round pick. So I'm I'm in on Bateman for Dynasty. I, I really like that take, but does it bother you that Bateman sucked last year? Well, you know, I, and I know you guys are talking about how his PSM score came in low and stuff, but he, he had COVID. You know, he had COVID. He, yeah. he, COVID does some weird stuff. It's got some weird side effects. Apparently, affects the PSM. Yeah. So, you know, he uh, and and the other thing about about his play last year was that they moved him to the slot. He's an outside wide receiver, and it's a little bit similar to Justin Jefferson, where the offense needed him in the slot, so he plays in the slot. But he's not going to play in the slot as a pro. He's going to move back to the outside, and I think. You know, his play on the outside two years ago was incredible. You know, in a year where he didn't have COVID, he talked about how COVID definitely affected him in the 2019, the 2020 season. He wasn't ever where he felt like he needed to be, but he, he still played. So I'm uh, I, I'm not that worried about the 2020 play. And in terms of market share, he was actually pretty good in 2020. He's still the key cog in the offense in 2020. Uh, so you're going to have Rashad Bateman and Marquise Brown outside in all likelihood. Devin DuVernay, who I think is a pretty intriguing prospect at slot receiver. And Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is going to need to have a better season than he did. He's, uh-huh. he, you want to talk yeah. about a dude who sucked last year, Mark uh-huh. Andrews. But we know that he can be better. I mean, he was incredible uh, his first couple seasons. Um yeah, the COVID fog strikes again. Evan uh, blamed Cam Newton's uh, malaise for much of last year on the COVID fog. Mm-hmm. And now Karain blaming uh Rashad Bateman's uh middling last year for on the well, it was also a guy the guy who told Trey Lance he was a safety 
you know, was his coach. So it's uh, <laughs> there's there's some problematic uh, decision making there. Uh, I want to move to quarterbacks, but real quick, somebody in the chat asked like what non skill player had the biggest impact. I also I actually thought, and I want to get Evans' take what the Chargers were able to get with Sean Slater. I mean, this Chargers offense could be something really, Dude, really special. Yes, I know you like that. Yes. I know you like the Rashawn Slater pick, Evan. What do you think about what the Chargers are going to be able to do this year? Yeah, I was looking at MVP Herbert, 20 to 1. I mean, you could have got it like 33 to 1 not too long ago. Yeah, I mean, all of a sudden they signed Corey Lindsley, a, a stud center. Um, Matt Filer, who can play tackle and guard, was just, you know, a, 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 he'll be a solid starter there. They steal Rashawn Slater. They got Brian Bulaga coming back. I mean, all of a sudden you got four good offensive linemen. We haven't seen the Chargers with a good offensive line in a long time. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited for the Chargers as well. Okay, let's move to the quarterback thing. So I, I want to spend one minute on this Mac Jones stuff. I, I'm curious what you guys take from, from the prop betting and everything. I never heard a concrete report from Schefter. I heard, well, he was on the radio. He never tweeted. He never really went on the radio and said, well, you know, I think I'm hearing that they might be leaning towards Mac Jones, but he never tweeted. He never put on, like if he really had it, I feel like he would have come out and said it stronger on ESPN, not on some like shitbag San Francisco radio show or whatever it was. And so that's why I was on the Trey Lance at plus four fifty. That's why I was on the Mac Jones over three and a half. I never heard anything concrete, but it just got run away so fast. I think Chris Sims uh, talks about it as well. Um, and a bunch of mocks had it, but I feel like that was some self fulfilling prophecy there. And the quotes today were from Shanahan. He was like, "I had no idea." where any of this stuff came from. I was in Mexico and people started saying that we were taking Mac Jones. I mean, what the hell happened? So I don't know, Leone, do you have any takes on how this got, how the market got so far out of whack with Mac Jones and all these rumors and, and I mean, actual betting markets. I mean, people made a lot of money on Trey Lance and lost a lot on Mac Jones. Yeah. I do wonder if moving forward, we will differentiate, you know, how Schefter reports stuff a little bit more. Like you said, it wasn't like he wasn't reporting something. He did say it somewhat. And Friedman talked about this a lot in your podcast. He did say it with a little bit more conviction than you usually expect out of Adam Schefter when he, he first talked about the Mac Jones thing. And then he backed off it a little bit. So, um, but we did have a bunch of, I mean, we had Lombardi, um, Jeremiah, Rappaport, Jeremiah. Yeah. Like there were a bunch of people that said it's not fields. Like, yeah. like, that like multiple people said the exact same thing, you know, it's Mac or it's Lance, it's Mac or it's Lance. Like I, they, they might've said, I think it's Mac. And I think maybe, maybe he got steamed too much. I had him the night before the draft. I, I said it was like 60 to 65%. They take Mac Jones. So I still thought it was going to be him, but I, yeah, I do think maybe we'll adjust what Schefter puts in print versus what he puts on the radio. We might wait it a little differently in the future. We might've latched onto that radio spot as if he tweeted it. And, uh, I don't think we did anything wrong. The, the feeling, the, the, and this is how Schefter says, says stuff like that. He's like, people around the league believe that, and that's that's the case. We had Mays on here. He talks to people in the league quite a bit. And he's mm -hmm. like, every, you know, every I can't get anybody that, that I know in the league to tell me that it's not Mac Jones. Everybody in the league believed that it was Mac Jones. And that's what Schefter said. And he was right about that. It's just that everyone in the league was wrong about the, the pick yeah. in the end. And it's. I think it's also possible that um, they that they that they did uh, originally sort of plan on on taking Mac Jones, but then you know as we as we move th forward th through the process, there was like there you know there were there were reports that um, Adam Peters, who's like the the third in command, and that the, the scouting department uh, wanted to take you know they wanted to take Trey Lance and maybe you know Kyle Shanahan got talked into Trey Lance over the course of time. I mean yeah. Kyle Shanahan believes in his ability. I think at the end of the day, like he would have been willing to take any of the guys. Um, I think he probably really liked Mac Jones, but he and but the, the entire organization wound up falling in love with Trey Lance and Kyle Shanahan is like I can definitely make this dude into a winning quarterback and. Um, you know, I, and and they they swung for the fences. I and I, I applaud them for that. Yeah, yeah. I want to say like two things real quick. One, I mean, shout out to Josh Norris who had a great mock draft. Um, one of the, the best, best mock draft ever. Yeah, best mock draft ever. And you know, he <laughs> helped get me on Lance at plus four hundred. The other two things he told me that he was most confident in was Chase to the Bengals and Waddle. You know, going early. So he he yeah. was all over it. But like to Evan's point, 
we thought Mac was the favorite. We probably didn't make a mistake, but we were thinking probabilistically enough that we still made money betting Trey Lance, yeah. right? Like, and that's where you do yes. have to think in ranges of outcomes. Like we thought Mac was yeah. the favorite, but we still recognize that the odds were too long yeah. on Trey Lance. And like, that's how you make money over the long run. Yeah. And, and that's why betting draft props is so great because it combines all this football stuff with also understanding how to bet and, and range of outcomes and stuff like that. What we can't argue about is that this is an incredible landing spot for Trey Lance. I mean, they have some serious weapons, some serious yards after catch weapons. He's going to be a dual threat. He has Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Karain, I'm curious if you now think it's Lance over Lawrence in Dynasty. And also, I guess in Redraft, I could ask the same question. What do you think about the Lance versus Lawrence stuff? In Dynasty, I think it's still Lawrence because your floor on what you're going to be able to get for Lawrence is so high. Like, you're going to be able to turn him around for like a first round startup pick next year, almost no matter what. I mean, he has to completely fall flat on his face to lose that trade floor. And people I think are, they're not quite as sure about Lance. He's seen as kind of a boom bust guy. Now, if you want to swing for the fences, it's Lance. But, you know, the debate right now is, is Lance versus Fields in Superflex. And to me, it's Lance. Oh, to yeah. me, that's pretty clear. You know, yep. and if you look ahead a year, it's very easy to imagine the Bears completely cleaning house. And Justin Fields has a completely new coaching staff to work under. You know, that might not work out. He's there's a lot of, of variability there with Justin Fields that we don't have with Trey Lance. Sam Hoppin was making this point last night. It's like the stability with Lance is is just is so nice. And Justin Fields is athletic but he was not the type of dual threat guy that Trey Lance was. Trey Lance ran for 1100 yards in 2019. Yeah. He is he could potentially be Lamar Jackson in a Kyle Shanahan system. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I, and and the, and all those weapons are like uh, uh signed long term, right? They did lock up Kittle, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah they locked up Kittle so and, and the other guy's still got what two years left on his rookie deal. Ayuk's got yeah. four. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's exciting. They just locked up their left tackle, Trent Williams, for a long time. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think honestly, I, I haven't really thought about it, and I know we haven't done the numbers yet, but I, my first instinct is Lance over Lawrence in redraft uh, for sure, assuming that he beats out Jimmy G. Or we have some instinct that he beats out uh, yeah. Jimmy G. Evan, I want to talk about Josh Fields going to the Bears, obviously after you ripped the uh, front office of Chicago, a brand new asshole, they had to go out and do something at the quarterback position and they do it by moving up for Justin Fields. Um, what do you think of the pick? What do you think of the trade? What do you think of the outlook is for the bears now with Justin Fields at quarterback? Great move. Great move. Um, if I didn't hate Twitter so much, I was thinking about tweeting something nice about the bears, but then I was just like, <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not going on Twitter, <laughs> but um, no, uh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm going to do it. But it's, uh, it, it was. I think it was an awesome move. I don't think they gave up too much. Um, I think the price was right, and they went and they, they had to take the swing. I mean, that's one thing we talked about on the podcast too. Is that they are in position where, you know, they, they're, they're, they're flying by the seat of their pants. They're, you know, this is a do or die situation. They really shouldn't even. I mean, there's still a better than coin flip chance that they're that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are gone after this year. Um, so um, I, I also liked it for our, uh, our bears over bets at six and a half wins. Um, I, I think it, you know, just having a, a guy that can move back there, um, you know, create some um, higher variance situations and um, you know, they, they, they need to score there. They, before I don't think they, they were going to really struggle to score points. Now I think they've got a chance to put up some pretty big games in in terms of scoring. Uh, so I I I like it every which way. I think it was a great move by you know a, 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 an organization that has really struggled over the last three years. Do you guys uh, ever read on what Denver's doing? Because oh, I want to I want to bring that up. But when I I'm going to yeah. bring up the Rogers stuff in a second. Okay. So let's let's hold on the Denver stuff for a second because I want to talk about there and Rogers stuff. But Leone has the offensive rookie of the year market up right now uh any interest in there for you guys um dude i like i feel the same way in dynasty as i do with these market which is like we're all overly assuming that zach wilson's gonna stink you know like he's mm -hmm. the guy who's 
he's going to start day one for sure. And, and he's 10 to one. I mean, I think all these guys play super early where it probably doesn't impact the rookie year odds that much, but I mean, 10 to one, you're getting him at double Lance's odds. Who's third. I, I mean, I think that would be worth a swing. It is interesting for, I know Superflex dynasty, as you said, it's for the virgins, Adam, but the top eight picks in Superflex dynasty really got solidified last night. I felt like, you know, we thought, you know, maybe Javante could screw things up or, you know, if Mac Jones goes third, like, what does that do? But now we've really got a really clear cut eight guys in Superflex Dynasty and Najee and Etienne end up in pretty good spots, all things mm-hmm. considered to like make it a little bit tougher, even if you don't love drafting running backs in that format. So that's pretty interesting. But the rookie of the year odds, I kind of like Wilson. At, at I like Wilson one. a lot there. Hmm. He's got yeah. a high ceiling. I mean, he's, he's mobile. He's got a big arm. I mean, he could be a total bust, but 10 to 1 is nice. I Yo, gotta, can we address a couple of things in the chat? Yep, go ahead. Well, people are asking about a sports betting podcast. Oh, yes. So we're working on it. We will have sports betting show this upcoming NFL season for sure. Stay tuned for details. But, yeah, I mean, obviously we have a lot of fun. We're not pros. We don't think we're actually uh, winning in the – liquid markets like lines and sides, but on the props and on the futures and on all that stuff, it's certainly fun. And I know you guys, we all know you guys like to hear about it. And I know we all love hearing Silva's takes. So yes, we will have a sports betting show this year. Details coming soon. Wait, so we're not going to be selling like whale plays. (laughs) (laughs) How do we do it? Uh, No, no whale plays. Um, (laughs) All right. I want to talk about Mac before we move on to the Aaron Rodgers stuff. I mean, Look, man, I mean, one of my most profitable takes last year was the Patriots were going to be really bad. In DFS, I never played them. I was under, I bet against them every week, had the Bills to win the AFC East. I mean, just across the board. And now I don't think that getting Mac, getting Johnny, getting Hunter Henry, getting Aguilar, getting Bourne, I don't think they're that much better at all. Like, I think there's going to be a really rough time period. And the only reason that the markets even have like the Patriots in play is because of Bill Belichick. Like, how much can this guy do? You still have need to have the talent on the field. So I don't really have a Mac Jones take, really, but I don't think he's going to necessarily elevate guys like Bourne and Aguilar and John U to the point where they're going to be, like, an all-of-a-sudden awesome offense. Um, I don't know, Silva. What do you think about Mac Jones to the Patriots? Um, just from listening to Mike Lombardi's show, like, he was all over this. Uh, he said that um, – the Patriots really liked Mac Jones throughout the process. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I think it's a good fit for them. I mean, I, I think that that's the, the kind of player that they, you know, they, they want like to find the next Tom Brady. That's how they feel most comfortable working their offense. He can get the ball out quickly. He's very accurate in the short to intermediate range. Um, you know, Aguilar is pretty good after the catch. These tight ends that they picked up are really good after the catch, especially Johnny. He's a monster after the catch. So I think they probably try to transition to Mac Jones pretty quickly, if not week one. Yeah, and, and I, they've got a good offensive line that they can drop them behind. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think they're going to be okay. They, they were they weren't that bad last year, Levitan. I mean, they had a slightly negative point differential. They were seven and nine. You didn't want them in DFS, but I mean, they weren't that bad. Yeah, they, they were they were like a, a middle of the road team. I think they'll they'll be a middle of the road team again this year. Um, yeah, I think, uh, in both formats, dynasty and redraft Patriots are going to be really cheap Leone because nobody's really going to know between cam and Mac Jones, how many starts they each get. They don't really have weapons. People are excited about, like, I could see a ton of people just being like, I'm not taking any Patriots. Do you have any interest even in late round flyers on the Patriots? I mean, maybe the tight ends just cause you know, they, we've seen success for the two tight ends set from them in, in the past. And if the, if Mac Jones gets in there and plays the majority of the games, we're going to see probably a pretty huge uptick in the pass rate from last season. And people might not be accounting for that enough so that even though the targets get spread out, um, you know, like, and that's a position too, where the floor is so low on everyone that, you know, I would like to take a swing versus, yeah, I don't know. The receivers just seem like an absolute mess. I'm not even sure if they're that good, you know, in a vacuum, let alone in this spot contextually, as far as Mac goes, you know, if he had gone third to the Niners, Superflex Dynasty would have gotten interesting. Like, does he squeeze into the top 10? Uh, I'm curious where Pat would take him in a Superflex Dynasty startup right now. 
you know, does he squeeze into the first round or is he early round two for you? That's right around there. The late kind of the, the one two turn in Superflex. It just, he doesn't have any rushing upside. So to me, he's in a clear tier, you know, behind Wilson. Wilson's going to be slipping to the 108, 109 in a lot of these drafts. So yeah. I think I'd rather get up and get Wilson than take Jones. I'm curious if you guys are at all interested here in, in Damian Harris now that we will not have Cam Newton stealing the touchdowns. Yeah. Um, is, he, is he more interesting as kind of the two-down guy? <laughs> Silva's going to hit the nah wave for those of you guys who aren't watching on YouTube. Um, yeah, you know, I don't think the offense is going to generate that many goal line touches. Um, but yeah, he's, I mean, Damian Harris certainly gained um, a little bit, at least, of touchdown equity. It's just, um, he's not going to catch passes, a, right? I mean, they brought no, back yeah. James White. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's this year RB guy. I mean, he's going yeah, he's like, cheap. cheap. Oh, he's all right, going right, into well, double yeah. digits. I haven't started rounds. drafting yet. Yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll be on double three. digit rounds, yeah. which is okay. Okay. Kind of the type of back you want at that point if you didn't yeah. take backs early. I mean, he could I score think, touchdowns, I guess. I mean, it, it, they need to get Cam out of there. Yeah, I mean they they need Mac Jones in there. Right. Then he could score some touchdowns. Yeah, that's the whole the thesis behind the play. Okay, uh, before we get out of here, I want to talk a little bit about the quarterback betting market. And I want to talk about the Aaron Rodgers thing. So Corain mentioned it. I mean, the Aaron Rodgers rumors started to fly yesterday morning that he wants out at all costs. Like, didn't sound like well, maybe you know, like uh, uh, like the Russ Wilson stuff was really thin. This sounded way thicker than the Russ Wilson stuff. This was I don't want to play for Green Bay anymore. I'm not going to play. I trade me or I'm sitting out. He doesn't have a lot of leverage beyond just straight sitting out. And then the rumor comes maybe like an hour or two before the draft from, I think it was Mark Schlereth or someone like that said that uh, the deal was like almost done with Rogers to the Broncos, which turned out, I think not to be true, um, but it made sense. And then when Denver passed on taking a quarterback and instead took a cornerback, which was, was a position of strength for them already. I was like, hmm, maybe they do think they're going to get something done with Aaron Rodgers. So, Corrine, how are you handling all this Rodgers, Broncos news coming out of the draft? I'm confused by it because I, I don't understand, you know, if you're going to do like a sign and trade thing with with your draft pick, like why is this not done already? Yeah. You know, and, and so to pass on fields with the hope that you're going to be able to trade for Aaron Rodgers seems – like a mistake to me. I, obviously, I don't know behind the scenes. Maybe this thing really is basically a done deal, and they're waiting for for something um, to complete it. I, but I'm confused about it. I I think they should have taken Fields unless it's a it's a lock that they're getting Rodgers. Yeah, yeah I, and was I was thinking may, maybe they could maybe they could you know flip Sertain to to Green Bay, which needed a, a, a corner. I mean, Kevin right. King has just been a dud, and Patrick Sertain is that big corner that's probably going to be good. You know, um, but 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 then the Packers took a corner at, at 29. So this is I mean, this is kind of playing out. It's not looking good for Denver right now. Um, also passing on a quarterback were the Carolina Panthers. And then they picked up Sam Darnold's fifth year option. What do you think about that decision from the Carolina Panthers? Evan, they had a chance uh, to take fields. And now they're going to go with Darnold. I, I'm I'm down on Darnold, unfortunately. You know, I I I, I don't I don't think it's going to happen for him right now. I, I think he needs to like take a few years away from the game, you know, or like sit you know sit on the bench and think about things for a while. <laughs> you know, he's, he's he's a mental mess. He's a he's a wreck mentally. But he'll be yeah. like Shane Falco. He'll go he'll get a boat. He needs you know, to find himself. Hang out by himself. Yeah. Maybe I'm I'm too optimistic that a scenery change, a coaching staff change, massive personnel upgrades will be good for Darnold. Maybe I'm too optimistic, but yeah. I think it could be okay, but it just seems nuts that both the Panthers and Broncos passed on fields yeah, without yeah. having to trade up. A hundred percent. And Darnold wasn't that good before Gase got there. So, yeah. you know, with the Tannehill stuff, he was actually decent before Adam Gase ruined him for a couple of years. Uh, I'm not that, that high on Darnold. Leone, do you want to bring up the quarterback markets before we get out of here? I don't really have any quarterback uh, takes, but that if, like player over under and all that stuff is like the most for on all the sites right now. The, all the quarterback stuff, all the ah. head to heads. Um, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah, next quarterback drafted is right there. I don't know if you guys have any takes there. Davis Mills, the slight favorite, and Kellen Mond. Um, Evan, I know you're working on your round two mock, which will be out later tonight do you have any takes on these quarterback markets can you see them there on the screen 
Yeah, I just I haven't decided where I'm going to put any of the QBs. Um, I think toward the back end of the round is where I'd put anybody. Yeah. Um, but I I don't I don't know where where these guys are going to go at all. There's there's matchups like Mills versus Mond and stuff like that. I don't know if yeah. you have any takes there. Mills, I think Mills goes ahead of Mond. I think Mond is like a fourth or fifth rounder. Okay. Yeah, you can see there. Davis Mills, sixty and a half is the over under. Kellen Mond, seventy four and a half. Any other takes? or bets you guys want to mention before we get out of here? Um, I think I, I, I got all my bets out last night. I don't have too much here. We're just celebrating with the, uh, with the, with the top 10 fell last night and, and with <laughs> uh, <Silverhead and> Stokes. <laughs> okay. Corrine promote your dynasty nerdiness. When will the rookie rankings be updated for, the people and are how excited are you to do 400 rookie drafts over the next two months i'm pretty excited for the rookie drafts they're gonna be they're gonna be a good time i think uh you know the rookie ranks obviously i'm gonna be working on as we learn the rest of the landing spots look for those next week um yeah i think you know i've been writing some prospect articles i i said uh i'm not really gonna be that excited about Najee harris unless he's drafted by the pittsburgh steelers in the first round so i guess now i have to shut up and draft Najee harris <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know you can you can check those out too they uh they aged pretty well so uh i'll have more more coming out soon okay leonia is going to spend his weekend deciding whether a certain receiver should have a 21 percent target share or a 20 and a half percent target share for all of the nerds out there so we'll have our uh full rankings for all the rankings that are up on the site including underdog best ball by monday leonia are you looking forward to this weekend uh, yeah, I actually am. I love doing this stuff. So I think there's a lot of team stuff to look at too, that might change, you know, in terms of pass run rates, pace, we have to look pretty closely at, uh, I like the landing spots for some of the guys so far, we still have to see day two, day three, where some of these receivers go, but yeah, we'll, we'll work on that over the weekend and come Monday morning, you know, we'll, after yelling at each other all weekend over yeah. where Rashad Bateman and whatnot, we'll have a set of ranks for everybody to use we will be ready to fire at that underdog one million dollar to first on monday again you can get the 25 dollars for free through the link in the description evan is working on his round two mock he'll be working on the draft grades and also will be live on monday night on underdogs live stream then we'll be back with the podcast next week anything else you're working on evan oh the top 150 may 10th is coming yep. the top one first top 150 of the 2021 nfl season will be a glorious day anything else you're working on you want to tell the people about evan no, I just wanted to talk about some of these uh, uh, MVP bets. Some of these long shots are starting to get away from us. We're on Matt Ryan, 100 to 1, 80 to 1. He's down to 33 to 1. Oh, wow. Um, I still think Baker Mayfield is good at 40 to 1. The Browns are going to be good. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and then they just they had a great pick, Greg Newsom, at number 26 overall. Um, Jalen Hurts even has gotten away from us. We were taking him at 101 and 80 to 1. He's down to 50 to 1. Um, 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 I, 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 I think that the best bet right now, just anywhere would be Russell Wilson at 20 to one. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it's, it sounds like the Seahawks and, and, and Russell Wilson are truly back on the same page. Um, I mean, this guy's got to get an MVP award before he retires. I could see Lamar coming back strong too. Yeah, I just I just trust the organization, and he's such yeah. a unique talent. Like sixteen to one seems okay. Like nothing seems great to me here, but yeah, I like uh, your Burrow call. I mean, coming off the torn yeah. ACL, too, yeah, I mean, Burrow is a good call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, to win MVP, you have to win at least twelve games, and in the seventeen games, yeah. you might have to win thirteen yeah. games. So to see the Bengals doing that, I mean, that'd be really shocking. Well, but. for for Ru for Russ, you know, we're on the over on, on yeah. there. We 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 think that they they you know. They, the market like adjusted too far negatively. Um, so we're on the over there. I mean, they, they win a lot of games every year. So yeah, they're checking yeah. that box. Look, Those MVP bets with win total overs are super correlated. It, it's yep. good. The shortest odds on a non quarterback, big dog. <laughs> That's never going to happen. <laughs> no, I just said that. every I, year, I, like, every year, like people are like, Oh, Derrick Henry Florio's out here. Derrick Henry could win the MVP. No, 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 not, not uh, happening. I see KZ Brown asking when we need to re-up the subscription. So if you had the draft kit last year, you have access to everything right now, you will be uh, – uh, your 
you'll be re-upped automatically on May 10th. So basically, if you haven't done anything, you don't need to do anything. If you have any questions, you can send an email to support at establishtherun.com. All right. This was fun. I'm glad we did this. I'm so, uh, no offense to Leone and Corrine who did a live stream last night, but I'm so glad and think this was so much better than doing it last night. This was so much fun. We actually were able to digest and our pants stayed on and we weren't sweating props, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and, you, and you don't have a headache and you got some sleep. <laughs> got some sleep. It was good. All right. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Hit subscribe on the YouTube for, for us so we can keep bringing you this kind of free stuff for Leone. For producer Leone, for Corrine, for Silva. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. <laughs>